Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening, Poetry Online Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram.
and and uh, and, and hung, you know, in her jail uh, jail cell. And Sandra Bland really stayed with me. You know, as poets, you know, we are empaths. Like I can feel everything. And um, yes. when I watched Sandra Bland's videos, I I felt her. It was me. It was my girlfriends. It could have easily have been me. It's the way I feel mm-hmm. when I'm pulled over. You're irritated already when you know you've done nothing. And so um, all those norms that it comes with being a black person in this country that um, white America may not, um, a lot of white America doesn't quite understand um, the weight that we carry um, in simple things by just tra- the way you, you travel and the way you're treated in hotels and in planes. And, um, and it's 2020, you know, and so we're still, we're still talking about still- this in 2020, which is pretty ridiculous yes um but it's a book is you know it's about it's a it's a book of love poems you know but they're radical it's radical black love poems you know i'm a daughter of Mm -hmm. the arts movement so i'm a daughter of sonny sanchez and amiri balaka and jeff scott heron the last poets and baba hakeem adabuti lucio clifton and jen cortez you know like they these women these these poets who have been fighting the good fight for quite some time for the liberation of our people you know, we simply want to be free. We want to be able to be human. And so writing this, this thing called poetry, for me, helps me feel connected to humanity. And hopefully when people hear it, that's what they feel too. Wow. Please share a poem from your book. I will. This is a shorter poem, and it's for one of my teachers, mothers, who we lost a few years ago, um, Ntozaki Shange, and who I know you would know. Uh, and if you yes. know that she wrote for Color Girls and many other incredible books. Mm-hmm. And so um, I used to be a roller coaster girl. It's a poem I wrote for her after spending some time with her right before she passed away. Uh, we were having breakfast in Florida together at a festival. And uh, I said, it's like, yeah, I used to be a roller coaster girl. She always reminded me of my, of my older self. You know, that she's like the wild side of, of me. And um, okay. I, loved how, I loved how she existed in the world as a poet and a rock star. So I used to be mm. a roller coaster girl. Right. I used to be a roller coaster girl. Seven times in a row, no vertical in these skinny legs. My lipstick bubblegum pink as my panther ten speed, never kissed. Nappy pigtails, no brand gym shoes, white line, yellow short shorts. Scratched up legs, telling past borders of hummus and baba ganoush, masters and liquor stores, city chicken, pepperoni bread, and Superman ice cream cones. Yellow, black, brindley with bits of Arabic, Islam, and Catholicism. My daddy was Jesus. My mother was quiet. Jane Kennedy was worshipped by my brother, Mark. I don't remember having my own bed before 12. Me and my sister Lisa shared. Sometimes all three more girls slept in that queen. You grow up so close, never close enough. I used to be a roller coaster girl. Wild child full of flowers and ideas. Useless crushes on Polish boys in a school full of white girls. Future black swan singer Zeppelin, you too, and Rick Springfield, hoping to be Jesse's girl. I could outrun my <laughs> brothers and everybody else to that recurring line. I used to be a roller coaster girl. So you told me I was moving too fast, and my rush made your head spin. My laughter hurt your ears, a scream of happiness, a scream of freedom, pouring out my armpits, sweating up my neck. You were always the scared one. I kept my eyes open for the entire trip. Right before the drop, I would brace myself and let that force push my head back into the hard I am feet. My arms nearly fell off a few times, so I kept running back to that line when I was done. Same way I kept running back to you, 
I used to be a roller coaster girl. I wasn't scared of mountains or falling. Had I look forward to flying and dropping off this earth and coming back to life every once in a while. I found some peace in being out of control, allowing my blood to race through my veins for 180 seconds. I earn my sometimes nicotine pull. I buy my own damn drinks, and the ocean still calls my name when it fills my toes near its shore. I still love roller coasters, and you grow up to be afraid of all girls who could ride. Fearlessly like me. That's it. And it's your poem. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of beautiful. My nice <laughs> Thank you. That's it. That that's beautiful. for my baby. You know, that's my young girl right. out there. You know, my little time boys yeah. and girls. You know, who could outrun yeah. all the boys and hit them roller coasters. I have I have five brothers. You know, and I grew up with uh, oh, two wow. of them in my house. And a, and a really strong father figure, so I had to I had to be a strong little whippersnapper back in the day, so I could keep up. I can understand without, without a male energy. <laughs> you know, I want to ask this question, and you've answered it probably a thousand times in interviews. Why okay. is poetry important? Oh wow! Well, poetry saved my life personally. I think, and it's, okay. it, it, why poetry is important as an art form, though, is because it's accessible. It's an accessible mm-hmm. art. You know, they've taken poetry and they put it inside um, these books and took black faces off them and just they talk about, you know, I am the pentameter and you learn about Faust and Shakespeare and Thoreau and, and you know, those writers fine, you know. I, I learned them like everybody else, regurgitated Eliot, and, and that's <laughs> fine. Um, but, you know, um, poems are like, I would say that poetry is like double Dutch, you know. It's, it's black girls doing double Dutch. So they took something like double Dutch and uh, put it uh, and took the soul out of it and then put it inside of academia and then people don't know it belongs to them, you know? And so when you actually, mm-hmm. like, I've seen poems really transform young people's lives, you know, the way it, it completely saved mine. When, when my drama coach, my drama teacher at Cody High School in Detroit brought the color girls into the Black Box Theater when I was in 11th grade, my life hasn't <laughs> been the same since. It ain't been mm-hmm. the same since. I have not returned from that space. All I've done is create myself out of that one piece drives who I am to this moment. And, um, and it, it changed me and inspired me. And poems, I mean, in like one minute, in three minutes or less, you know, you could read a poem and go somewhere else. So everyone can't read a novel, right? Novels might be right. hard. Even for some of the best readers, we struggle with getting through that novel. But poetry, man, you can, you can get to it. You know, I was even, it's a great learning tool. I was, teaching um, Atlanta, in Atlanta for this, I've, taught, I've done so many residencies inside of jails and mm-hmm. prisons and uh, mm. after school programs and things like that. And what I've learned, you know, literacy is a huge issue. You know, people are literate in different ways. Reading is not the only form of literacy, right? So some of our young yes. people, I mean, be literate with books and words. But what I learned is that, you know, a little young student I had once in Georgia had, would, you know, wrote backwards. He's like, maybe dyslexic, dyslexic, I don't know, but he he couldn't, like, mm-hmm. the does were E-T-H, you know. It was just, and so I was like, we're going to count syllables, baby, and we're just going to write some haiku. And I found that haiku is a powerful weapon, you know, like, mm-hmm. because if kids can actually, you can just count syllables, you know, and you can write three lines, you know, of, of a 575, then you've written your first poem. And so I've used it to empower young people to say, yeah, you can write a poem. The ones that I don't write poetry, yeah, you okay, well, let's see. Can you, can you count sounds? You know, can you, can you, can you put, you know, like, you know, help me with sound. Like, can you just count the beats inside the word? And so mm-hmm. I, I find that it's a, a tool that's underused in school systems. And, I, and that's, you know, as far as 
building curriculum and things, I've, I've done that. You know, I've, I've written a curriculum around We Want Our Bodies Back, and I'm, I'm teaching a short course online at Grinnell College in Iowa in, in the spring of 21. Really honored <clears> to be doing that. You know, I'm supposed to be in person in Iowa, but doing it online. And, um, yes. and so, you know, shout out to Grinnell College, understanding that <laughs> poets should be inside of curriculum, right? So I push myself, you know, same way I know you have as an educator, push poetry into spaces that people never could consider poetry important enough to push, you know, be in front of, or the, the yes. people they're in front of, they're like, they don't, they don't, these kids don't get Toni Morrison. Oh, yes, they do. You know, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yes, they do get Sonia Sanchez and, and Dr. Shaga. You're just not giving them what they need. And so um, I find it to be a great medicine, you know, poem, and, and, and something that people can actually have a little tablespoon and they can it go on with their day, you know. But poems save my life, literally. I, I, if not for poetry, I don't know what I would be doing. I, it's in everything that I do. I have I live in the house that poems built. You know, I drive the car that poems bought. <laughs> the food I'm eating is a poem, okay. <laughs> like, you know, and I tell my son that, don't shoot me, that's a poem. You know what I mean? <laughs> Some shoes you want to buy in size 11s. That's about, I got to write some poems in, in size 11 shoes you want. So that keep on growing. Um, hey. You know, as a poet, you know, the poems are everywhere, right? It's in everything that we yes, do. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They're, they're all over. Sometimes I feel like I, I am a poem. I am a poem. That's right. Um, That's right. You know, we were discussing earlier your book, we want our bodies back. And when I think about black women, mm-hmm. black women, in my opinion, have been tugged, pushed, torn, abused, you name it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you share the poem, We Want Our Bodies Back? Oh, yeah. Hold on. Let me find it. Yeah. Um, of course. And and I want to note that during the poem, um, I'm I in order to, like, I'm writing the poem, the poem is uh it's a call to action. Is a healing um, chant for me. It's a spiritual. It's a lot of things. Um, and I I call on Nina Simone um, throughout mm. the piece um, to mm-hmm. keep me grounded, to remind me that I have spiritual mothers that are are here with me. Because uh, you need to know that um, so that you can be okay. And so you'll hear um, Nina Simone's uh, song. But this is probably when our bodies back. If black women could be cut down, no, we move gently from American terrorism. Who would break our fall? Which direction we travel to feel safe? Wild is the wind. If we could turn in the skin, these sharpened bones, this brain full of power and history, who would we resemble? Invisible doesn't come in black. How many nervous breakdowns? How many funeral black dresses? How many five boys? How many nooses? How many of our bodies must be raped, cut into pieces, burned inside garbage bags, buried? How many of us blossom a beautiful tree of life? And pray their pride isn't cut down the middle, reduced the trunk. A close friend doesn't die climbing their limbs, attempting to simply grow outside the gritty soil they were planted. I put a spell on you. Holly Hobby ovens, Girl Scout cookies, and Barbie dolls. Don't prepare our revolutionary daughters born with capes and wings to have a pig's knee pushed into their back. Girls raised by worlds taught to disappear, to be quiet, to not talk about it. How much black breath is allowed space in the state of Texas, a place that has sucked the life out of countless, miscounted, uncounted brown. Poor women die here. I got life. Sandra Bland got the death penalty for a traffic stop. Her body was 28 years young. How to make sense of our bodies. Bodies burned by cigarettes. Bodies smoked out their own neighborhoods. Bodies with abandoned lungs and hearts. 
bodies mistaken for women when they are still girls? How do we construct a survival guide of home for our daughter's bodies without throwing up our breakfast? How do our mother's bodies not implode after telling our sons to comply, to not speak up, to keep their heads down, to allow their bodies to be dragged by racist police? Jim Crow ain't never flown with this much wingspan. Eagles running for safety now, for the reach is deep in southern and midwest, shadows the east, lands in the west, Texas, you will always be Mexico in denial. Oh, it Ron Allen after his body back in 1996, and we are still waiting. We want our bodies back. We want our bodies back. We want our bodies back. We want them to return to mothers without blood, without brains exposed, without humiliation, without bruises, without glass, without fire. We want our bodies back. We want our cities back. We want our culture back. We want our land back, our streets back, our freedom, our justice. We want our bodies back. We want our bodies back. We want our bodies back. We want them wrapped in white silk. We want them paraded around the White House. We want those flags you stand up for at baseball games at half-mast. We want national holidays to honor our bodies, our knees, our prayers, our eyes, our genitals, our eyes, our fingers, our feet, our ears. We want 21 gun salutes when we enter a room. We want our bodies back. We want our bodies back. We want them anointed in oil. We want them water around your neck. We want them remembered. We want them worship on Sunday. We want our magic you try to bottle. We want our essence you attempt to steal. We want our elegance, our sex, our walk, our cool, our recipes, our intelligence, our science, our stars, our history. I want my Moroccan I want my holy water breath. I want my Maasai legs. I want my alien arms. I want my Ivy Coast mouth. I want our breath back. I want our time back. I want your foot off our girls' backs. I want all your badges back. I want you to evaporate into dust like swatted moss. Don't cut me down from the noose. Let my legs dangle for the devil. What a spectacular magic show. Why you turn the cameras off? Why you turn the cameras off? This is a simple ballet. You got front row. This is your venue. This cell, this hole is no one's home. It's no place for a woman to die. You probably never heard of Judith Jameson, Catherine Dunham. Oh, we know how to get our legs in the air. We know how to elevate, use our bodies to tell a story of middle passage, of survival, of lynching. You have always left our bodies under your control. Don't you touch me. Don't you take me down. Don't touch my body. Don't touch my music. Don't touch my patience. Don't touch my car door. Don't come near my window. Don't talk to me in that tone. This body of work got work to do. I'm resurrecting my body in new forms daily. Watch for me in your deepest sleep. Black is the color of my true love's hair. Listen for my song. Watch for my walk. Listen for my voice, my black girl attitude. Watch my body resist your death trap. Watch me rise. Watch my rebirth. Watch us rise up from this new Jim Crow, from these new unspoken apartheid laws. We want our bodies back. We want our bodies back. We will take them, protect them, remember them, remind you, remember you, Sandra Bland. We will never forget your brown body, your mind, your pride, your spirit, your love, your vow to do God's work. We want your drive from Illinois to Waller County back. We want all our daughters back, and we want them back now. So thank you. Woo. <laughs> Let me take a second hey, to allow that to soak in. <laughs> Please. Please. Yeah. I literally need a second yeah. because that was absolutely powerful. Thank you. That's because you're a poet. You know, I can hear your reactions, you know, <laughs> to the poem, <laughs> and it's so good to hear it, you know, because I do all these readings now online. And, you, know, mm-hmm. you, you know, I've done like 45-minute hour keynotes looking at a green dot by myself and at yes. bookstores, and I don't think people quite understand how draining that is, you know, to not oh, have any I'm sure You know, it's, it's been difficult for me. You know, I, I'm exhausted oh, yes. from it, and so... Well, yeah, so I see you know, snaps in the in the in the responses. Thank you. <laughs> well, hey, you you have a you have a new fan. You have a new fan. Um, Thank you. 
How, how does this corn? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> how does this corn? It's <laughs> so important. So important. Let's stress that. Now, it's available on yeah. Amazon. Is it available, it's available on Amazon? You can, you can, it's available everywhere books are sold. You can support your local bookstore and order it through okay. your local bookstore. You know, Barnes & Noble got it. Everybody got it online. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. You know, as you think about your book and you think about that particular poem, how does this mm-hmm. poem connect with the other poems throughout your book? I mean, there's definitely a through line. I mean, it's definitely a feminine voice. I mean, there's uh, I'm Not Ready to Die Today, um, uh, because, you know, in poems like that about, you know, lifting up um, black women artists, you know, it's kind of my message to young women artists and what I think they need to be, you know, focusing on and um, on themselves and celebrating themselves. It's, we want our bodies back. There's no difference in that roller coaster girl poem. Uh, poems mm-hmm. here for Ozzy Davis and Ruby, and Ruby D. There's poems for Sonia Sanchez and this book um, for Rita Franklin. Um, so the celebratory poems here, but it's the, it's the, it's, it's the anti-silencing of women's voices book. <laughs> it's it's mm. black women's voices, you know, um, amplified. And uh, and I'm speaking to a lot of different issues. There's I Can't Breathe from Michael Brown. It's a, it's a book of poems for mothers who are raising sons. Um, and, it's, and it's love, you know, because there are, there are really love poems. It's just love. It's a, you know, radical black love, you know, for myself and for my, for my community. So. Yes. They say, that to see the world with a complete honesty, one should look to comedians, artists, and mm. poets. <laughs> yeah. What do you think emerges naturally from your work? What emerges from you? Uh, the truth. <laughs> because if okay. I, I can't write a lot, you know, I can tell a lot, but I'm not good at writing one. So um, mm. I tell them the truth, and I think freedom emerges. You know, it really does. Um, and enjoy, because I'm happy, you know, like, you know, the work <laughs> sometimes sounds so serious, but, you know, you and I have been laughing the whole damn interview. Like, you know, yes, I, I'm we happy. Have. I, I'm a yes. blessed person. I'm, I'm happy. I have love in my life. I have a beautiful, mm-hmm. a beautiful um, son, King, and I have a beautiful earth son, Omari, and um, and other stepchildren that have, um, that have been a part of my life, you know, when they're in their younger years. And, um, and so I'm, and I'm, I'm blessed to be free, you know. Um, sometimes, you know, this life you have money, sometimes you don't, but I'm free. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, that speaks to that. I remember when I worked with Nas many years ago when I did, I opened and closed Nostradamus um, in 1999, and one of the first rappers, large-name rappers that I recorded with. And mm-hmm. him saying to me in the studio, like, your poems remind me of my writing before I got money, you know. <laughs> Such an honest mm. thing for that Virgo to say to me, you know, and and but I think you know you recognize that like I never wanted a, so much money that I found it watered down, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that I can keep the edge inside my work. So I have you know just enough success to be a working class traveling blessed poet on the world, and had really beautiful opportunities to to travel outside the country, you know, several times over now, um, but also you know. Uh, yeah, enough, enough, not enough money so that I can stay humble, you know, and that the work yes. can still have the edge on it, you know, just mm-hmm. a little bit. I need mm-hmm. the edge on it a little bit so I can be connected to the people because, you know, you, I feel like you get too much and then you forget, you know. Um, I'm excited. I'm on Commons new album that just came out, Beautiful Revolution, oh, wow. the first thing you hear on the album. So yeah, wow. um, we're, we're working on getting my my credit at it now, but 
lots of people, <laughs> think, you know, thank God, know my voice. And so um, mm-hmm. they were like, I've got 25 million DMs and text messages like, is that you? Is that you? And I'm like, yeah, that's me. So um, they're fixing it. <laughs> they're fixing it. But uh, so shout out to Common and to Kareem Riggins. Uh, it's a beautiful project. And um uh, happy to be on it with uh, Stevie Wonder and Black Thought. Oh. And uh, Chucky and lots of cool people, and so and uh, Lenny Kravitz. So, um, yeah, the beautiful revolution, you know. So the poets are needed right now, you know, more than ever. Poets have always been needed, but now Why? because Why? Why? well, you know, the thing is, we've we've always been in this work of of liberation, you know, and using art for that way. So some of the other artists who are more mainstream, well-known pop stars, um, it's good for them to to pull us into the loop, you know, because. We have this is consistent work for us, right? It's not just now we're gonna write our black our album that talks about black excellence and and getting the knee off of our necks. Like that's my work. That's my book. When I was in my when I was nineteen, I wrote that book. You know, when the words don't fit in my mouth. You know, I was writing those are poems I wrote between nineteen and twenty one years old. You know, and so mm-hmm. that and that work is right there. Black Statue of Liberty is right there. I stand still above an island, fish straight in my air, hair, scar in my face, long braids in my hair. People fly from all over just to swim near my time or climb my long flight of stairs but they trip on their shoestring lives. I mean, that was a baby, you know, on the Apollo, you know, mm. doing that poem. And so that's been the work of poets, right? And so some of these artists that are now like taking heed, you know, should absolutely call on the poets because we are connected to the community. We're the liaison between the people right there that you are trying to save or trying to push forward or trying to make sure their lives matter. Um, you know, our movement for black life, you know, has been a part of my DNA. You know, it's not a hashtag for me. It's just what I do. <laughs> it's what we do. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so, um, yeah. <laughs> Please share, <laughs> if you will, another poem. Okay. Oh, you want me to share another poem? Okay. Um, yes, I love it. I love it. Let me do something different. Um, so, because I think, you know, love is important, right? Um Yes. And I've got a friend actually just put out a book, my friend Booker Snow. I'm going to shout him out. He has a, a book out called Journey to Love. And I just love when brothers, you know, are not afraid to write about love. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, very special. And he's a very alpha male, you know. And he, and he has these beautiful love poems. And I think that, you know, sometimes when you're writing all this radical work, that, you know, all of these poems are love poems. And at the end of the day, you know, people may not see it that way. But it's important to um, – to, to, to push love because that's what we need, right? Our, our community needs we need radical love and change in our in our own communities and um, and on the planet. And so this is a poem I'm really proud of, which is kind of centered around love. And it's called "You Want Home," and the poem is featured a, a piece of it. If you've gone to the Smithsonian Museum of um, the New Smithsonian Museum of African American History in Washington D.C., um, I'm on the fourth floor. You go up, and I'm on the big video screen. And oh, wow. it's crazy that I'm up there. <laughs> yes, have you been? Right. Have you seen it yet? Did you, I, have you I, seen I've it? been to the museum. Next time I go, I will focus I on the fourth floor. Me. I'm on the fourth floor. I'm on the When President Obama does the mic drop, listen, President Barack Obama does the mic drop, okay. and it's a, okay. it's a myriad of images that come up. And Amiri Baraka is there, and Mos Def is there, Yassine Bey. And then I come up, and the, my, my voice, my pick, my big face is there, and I'm performing. <laughs> Um, and the text is coming up there. I thought it was going to be on the TV screen, brother. Listen, when I went to the Smithsonian, I cried. I said, what is this humongous screen? You know, so hopefully it remains, it remains in place. There's a new director over there, Kevin Young, the new director. So, Kevin Young, yeah. just don't, take my, uh, don't take my video down, Kevin. Don't, don't hate on me. 
You better keep my video up there. And then uh, you go around the corner, you have uh, me and Saul Williams and, and, and Yasin Bay pictures right next to each other. And those have been my, those have been my friends since 95, you know. So. Oh, wow. So this poem is called You Want Poems. And this, this is the poem that the Smithsonian reached out. They found, found this video of me reading this poem on a television show and said, can we use it? So here it is. When you are a woman, when you are brown, when you are brave, when you walk over glass like water, when you know your eyes are barred like time, when you peel off your skin for the very first time, fear is never in style in the mecca of the blue. Fear never lives in the gut of the new. You want poems, and I just want to build my home. You want poems, and I just want love in my hands. You want poems, and I'm not interested in fans. You love me inside my magic, and I just want you to see you already had it. It is a telling when someone asks. It's the way he holds the glass, licks the surface, examines without touching. It's the way our energy takes over room. It is a subtle conversation. It is the freedom of emancipated language. It is words scribbled inside my skin. It's the curve of the line, the beauty of the lies. Stories passed down to generations of pain and pride, ocean and tide. Water remembers. Water returns. African mermaids blending with dark sand. It is the danger of the dance, the upright heart of the bass, the dice throw drum, the cymbal tease, the last laugh, the addiction to this moment. Where else do I put it? Don't know where to put it. Place it, bury it deep in my chest, back of my throat. Where should I hide it on this stage? Should I give it to you? Here is my honesty, my work undressed. Legs stretched across piano, traded like cattle, raped like animal, left the dead, sucked dry for inspiration. In love with the idea of living long enough to simply write about it, push it out my body and watch my son slowly grow into it. You said you wanted a poem. Now what you going to do with it? Huh? Whitney, Etta, Abby, Billy, Nina, Phyllis, how much time you got? How much time you got? I'm a body o'clock. I'm a master of mics. I'm a metaphor for survival. I'm the gold they use to build their churches, a beautiful idea to flirt with, but who, who shall I marry? The moonlight, the sunrise, the white dove, the wolf, and Eastern music, a prayer? How many babies we going to make inside a song? Which revolution? Which nation shall we rule? The island of the spirit world, the beauty of the believers, the carpenters, the men who build the dream and place you on the front line of their planet. One day, the stars will line up between breath and ink and voice between reality and choice, it is the danger of the dance, the upright base of the heart, the dice drum, the symbol tease, the last laugh, the addiction to this moment. And so that piece really is a homage to like Whitney and Etta and Abby and Billy and Nina and Phyllis. And, and it's, a, it's, it's a poem that's also on my album, Black Tea, The Legend of Jesse James, um, which is a, a homage to these women and my, who, who I love listening to their music and shape me, yeah. but I don't feel like died with the with um the pageantry right or the or mm-hmm. the money <laughs> or anything mm-hmm. that they deserved for all that they gave and put into their work and so me as a woman as a black woman on this planet and a mother and a sister and an auntie and all those things like you know I my mantra was to survive without to be drug free like really you know and that's something to, there's something yes. to be said for that because I understand why these black women, sometimes you get so depressed and overwhelmed, you feel alone, and you turn to other things to get you high. And I've been, mm-hmm. I've been pretty high <laughs> my whole life with yes. no help at all. And so, oh, wow. and I know that's a blessing. It's not because it's an easy thing. It's because it's a choice that I've decided that I'm going to be fully awake <laughs> and, and, and present for this, for this mm-hmm. life. And I have to raise my son, who I've been raising on my own um, most of his life since he was 10 months old. 
And so, so you want poems it's about survival, you know, it's about wanting love, you know, and wanting, wanting love. And, and it's difficult for women, not just like those women, but women like me, women like who I know in my circle, who are fascinating black women, uh, who, who struggle with finding the balance in their life, you know, uh, with finding a person, uh, whatever you date, I date men, and, you know, finding a man that uh, doesn't, isn't overwhelmed by your light and, and, and pushes your voice and your light forward and is able to sit back and, and let you be great, you know? That's not an easy yes. task, you know, um, in, in the world of ego. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you want poems about that. Wow. Also about people asking me for poems, you know, like they always want poems, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what you gonna do with it? That's the last line. What you gonna do with it? Go, That's the last oh, line wow. that comes up. You said you want a poem. Now what you gonna do with it? And it fades out. So, yeah. <laughs> I could listen to you all day. You, the way that you project, the way that you project, and like you say again, you've been in this for a long time. What is yeah. the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice, if there's a relationship? Well, you know, it's deep. So, you know, I write first. Everything comes from I'm either writing in my – I still write in, in journals, um, leather journals, um, and that's why I love them. People should send me journals as gifts all the time. So I still write, always mm-hmm. with a pen in a journal, and, and then I'm writing. So the writing phase is something, and I don't know what the poem sounds like really until I say it out loud. And then once okay. you, once the poem is the poem, and then once you start reading it, um, I feel like there's a taking over that happens, whether it's ancestor work or otherwise. I think that you you kind of go away. You know, there's a going awayness that happens for me for sure, uh, especially when I'm in an audience. Like, you know, I remember reading We Want Our Bodies back um, in January of this year before COVID. I was at the Apollo Theater for an MLK mm-hmm. celebration and um, with all kinds of amazing people. Um, and um, and I read my poem and like the the exchange I have between audience and and the sound and breath of the work um, is much deeper than just reading the poem on the on the page, and um, and and so there's a different relationship. Like when you're reading my book, you're having your own voice. You're, you're reading it in the pace that you read it in. And then you know I met Michelle Wolf, the comedian, um, who I got to spend some time with down in Yellow Springs, and I was in. Uh, I spent a lot of time in Yellow Springs with Dave Chappelle and Tyler Kweli and all the artists that came down there this summer to find some artist community and, and safe space to, to perform in the middle of a cornfield. I remember I gave Michelle Wolf my book, you know, as a fan of her comedy, and, and it was really cool to, to meet her. And she came up to me after she heard me read the poem I performed um, on Dave's stage in June, and she said, it didn't sound like that when I read it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's what I know. You know, it's different, right? It's different, you know. Um, it's different when you uh, when you hear it out loud. And so, um, and so there's a different, I think there's a something spiritual, uh, a spiritual mm-hmm. connection to being a griot, you know, um, a person that is sharing the work. Um, and then once I'm sharing it, it doesn't, the poems don't belong to me anymore. And it becomes, it's, for mm-hmm. me, it's an out of out of body experience. Not that it's like you know weird Ooh, people wow. out, but it does become. I mean, it's just like Prince. I mean, Prince was gone. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. gone. You know, like at some point you're not even there. Like at some point you like it's other work, it's other things, and um, and there's lots. I just believe in energy and spirit, and um, that takes over of the language. And so when you can find a balance in that, you know, Gil Scott Heron was a master of you know po- word sound power. You know, my album mm-hmm. Black Tea um, is my attempt of, of giving, making the album that Gil Scott Heron would have been proud of. And so I'm balancing, you know, that energy 
um, of, of sound and music and poetry all together. You know, I, I love, I work, I work with a lot of music. I actually got a techno record out with Jeff Mills and Eddie Folks right now, and I'm working on a rock and roll, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. And I'm working on a tech, uh, uh, rock and roll record with my sister Stephanie Christian. I'm doing a rock record, and that's an acoustic project I'm working on. So I enjoy the, the playing around and dancing with musicians, you know, mm-hmm. um, to connect mm-hmm. with audiences. So, yeah. Well, you know, our time is almost up. Um, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a good talker. I'm a good talker. Well, can we make sure that people, like, talker. they go get the book? We got to make sure they yes. go to my website because, you know, my, my, we want our bodies back. It's available everywhere. But my other book, which a way to support me directly is going to jessicacaremore.com and ordering mm-hmm. some like Do Bullet Hope. God is not an American. I got Black Women Rock, Mass available. Um and and my vinyl record is there, and my CD is there for those who still old school and still play the CD. I got some, so yeah, support support independent um, writers. And support. Uh, well, I'm sorry. My last question yeah. to you. My last question to you is that when people hear your work, and and you probably already answered this a thousand times, they usually want more. What's next for you? What's what's the one project that you're most excited about? What's next for you? Well, music, you know, um, that's what I, so the album I'm working on, I've been wanting to do, I've been producing um, Black Women Rock, um, this empowerment rock and roll concert for 16 years, and uh, people can go to blackwomenrock.com and see that, but I've yet to put out my rock and roll record. I was trying to make a rock record and end up doing um, John Dixon, the piano player I got with, um, he created Black Tea, The Legend of Jesse James, and it's a jazz soul project. And so I want to make my rock and roll record because I want to jump around like Patti Smith, you know, I'm very, you know, similar in how Patty, I was comparing myself to Patty Smith because, you know, she's this literary artist. Yes, and literary I know Patty Smith, yes. But, yeah, yes. But, yeah, but also very much, but people don't compare me to her because she's a white woman, you know, but I'm very Patty right. Smith with it. And, um, and so I'm actually writing about Patty Smith right now for a punk anthology about my connection to her. But, yeah, I want to do my rock and roll record because I've been making rock and roll music for years. Um, I just really? never, I wasn't, yeah, yeah, I do Black on Rock. If you come to Black on Rock, that's me. I'm jumping around. I'm I'm writing books around <laughs> it. And it's very punk. It's crazy. I'm having a good ass time. I, you know, but in the studio, it's got a sound good. And so when I started doing the record, I was like, I'm not, I wasn't enjoying it. And so now I've got some pieces okay. on deck um, to make a hot little punk poetry record. So that's, I'm excited about that right now. And I'm writing some children's books. All right. adult. Novel and verse, so I'm pushing the the book the books as well. New books are coming. So we want our bodies back by Jessica Fairmore is available now. We want you to go out and buy it. It's a phenomenal book. She's phenomenal. (laughs) As I said, I could talk to her all day, but I know we've got to go. But look, Jessica, thank you so much, and have a fantastic Uh, day. It's my pleasure. I can't wait to like share the interview with everybody. Thank you so much. All right. Okay, take care. Take care. You have just listened to the Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio Podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And make sure to catch our next episode.